From Jerusalem, Israel, this is From the Midwest to the Middle East, the podcast that explores everything new in U.S. and Israeli economy. Here's your host, Philip Stein. I'm really pleased to be having this podcast today. First of all, this episode is brought to you by Philip Stein and Associates, the largest U.S. CPA firm in Israel, providing U.S. tax services to Israelis, Americans, corporations, startups, and anyone else needing them. I'm very fortunate and happy today, and that's a good word that I'm going to be using, my listeners, you'll understand in a moment, to be speaking with Tal Ben-Shachar. Tal is an author and lecturer. He taught two of the largest classes in Harvard University's history, which were called Positive Psychology and the Psychology of Leadership. Today, Tal consults and lectures around the world to executives in multinational corporations, the general public, and at-risk populations. The topics he lectures on include leadership, happiness, education, innovation, ethics, self-esteem, resilience, goal-setting, and mindfulness. His books have been translated into more than 25 languages and have appeared on bestseller lists around the world. Tal is a serial entrepreneur and is the co-founder and chief learning officer of the Whole Being Institute, Potential Life, Metiv, and Happier TV. Tal is also an avid sportsman. Tal won the U.S. Intercollegiate and Israeli National Squash Championships. Today, for exercise, he swims, dances, and practices yoga. Welcome, Tal. Thank you, Philip. Great to be on your podcast. Thank you very much for joining. Let me get right into my first question. Tal, you are called the Doctor Professor of Happiness. How did you enter into this area of psychology? Well, uh, actually, I, I became interested in the field of happiness because of my own unhappiness. Mm-hmm. When I was an undergraduate at Harvard studying computer science, I found myself in my second year doing very well academically, I did well in sports, I played squash, uh, uh, did well socially, and yet, uh, and yet being very unhappy. And it didn't make sense to me, you know, because when I looked at my life from the outside, things looked great. But from the inside, they didn't. And I remember waking up one very cold Boston morning, uh, going to my academic advisor and telling her that I'm switching course, and she said, uh, what to? And I said, well, I'm leaving computer science and moving over to philosophy and psychology. And she said, why? And I said, because I have two questions. One question is, why aren't I happy? And the second question is, how can I become happier? And these two questions uh, guided me into, uh, into this uh, wonderful field of positive psychology, which is the science of happiness. So have you found, have you discovered, this is, I'm, I'm sure the, I'll get the answer, universal principles that you've discovered that can lead to living a happier life or a happy life? Uh, yes, so uh, I have discovered uh, a few. I'm still uh, discovering um, as I go along because you know it, it is a, a lifelong process. It is, it is a journey. Um, but you know, the first thing that I that I found out was the about the relationship between success and happiness. You know, my assumption, and I think this is the assumption of many people, is that um, the road to happiness. Um, is through success. In other words, if I become more successful, whether it's as an athlete or you know I get into my uh, my top choice university or I get a great job or I make a lot of money, um, that, then I'll be happy. And that turns out to be wrong. You know, not a little wrong, but very wrong. And unfortunately, this equation where success equals happiness is what drives 
um, and misguide so many people, uh, especially in the Western world. Well, I guess you're not going to become a spokesman for the lottery of, uh, of any no, country. <laughs> no, actually, actually, interestingly, there is research on, uh, on lottery, on lottery winners. Really? Okay. And, w- and, and what was found was that, uh, yes, initially when you win the lottery, you're you know, the, the happiest person in the world. You, know, you think your life is going to radically change. Um, and it doesn't. Within you know, two, three, six months, uh, at most, you go back to where you were before wow. uh, in terms of your levels of happiness. Now, this doesn't mean that you know, uh, money or material wealth isn't important for well-being. It's important when it comes to fulfilling our basic needs. So, yeah, of course, a person who doesn't have enough uh, money to, to provide his or her family with you know, food or shelter, yes, additional money will make them happier. But beyond fulfilling our basic needs, there is very little, if any, connection between wealth and happiness. Okay, so the the, the era we live in, the times we live in, we're we're surrounded by technology. Uh, We have all kinds of devices that are we're connected to around the clock. Have you found in your work, your research, that these devices and access to information enhance or detract from our happiness? So uh, the answer is yes. You know, it's it, it both. Okay. The, um, the that's, question that's a very that's a very Jewish answer. But. <laughs> that, that's right. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and the the reason is it's it's all about again a, a Jewish answer or also a Jewish answer. You know, the, the key is moderation. You know, as as the Rambam said or as Aristotle said. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the problem today is that technology is is taking over our lives you know it's it's no longer a, a means towards an end to making our lives easier more comfortable um, to expose us to interesting uh, uh, information in people it, it literally is taking over people's lives so we know for example that uh, the more time people spend in front of a screen the lonelier they are now we also know that loneliness is very much related to to depression so today, as, as more and more people spend more and more time in front of the screen, um, even if it's uh, you know, on, on Facebook and, and they have you know, a thousand friends on Facebook, they're actually experiencing uh, more and more loneliness that wow. ultimately leads to, to depression. Um, we, we see another very troubling trend, which is that uh, levels of empathy that people have is, is going down as the amount of time that we, we spend on the, on the screen, in front of the screen increases. The reason being is because how do you develop empathy? You develop empathy when you interact with people, with real people, not virtual people. And if you, if you, if you restrict your real interactions, then empathy is less likely to, uh, to develop. And this, this is very troubling because empathy is the foundation of, uh, of, of morality and of healthy relationships in general. And another thing, people are becoming more sedentary. So we, you know, the, the, there's a lot of research suggesting that sitting is the new smoking. Hmm. Uh, you know, we sit in front of the, the screen uh, for, for so many hours a day and we don't move. And we weren't made know whether it's by evolution or by God to be sedentary to to sit in front of uh, to sit on our on our chairs we were made to uh, to to hunt and gather you know to to run after uh, you know a chicken for lunch or to run away from a lion so that we don't become lunch you know we 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 need that movement and we don't get enough of it um, so because technology um, has entered on our lives 
not in moderation, we're, we're paying a, a very high price. Now, having said that, in moderation, it's great. You know, I think about, for example, my, um, my sister who met her wonderful husband uh, online. You know, that's great. I just recently was contacted by a, a friend of mine from 35 years ago. We haven't been in touch for 35 years. That's amazing. Technology, great. Yes. Um, you know, we have access to so much information. You know, just this morning, as I was uh, writing, I, was, I, I, I vaguely remembered that Plato said something about, uh, about well-being, and I looked it up. And on Google, I found it within 30 seconds. You know, in the past, I would have spent hours and hours Right, going to a library, that correct. That's correct. Technology can be, can be a great thing if used in moderation. Unfortunately, we've gone way, way too far, and it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. In fact, many years ago, before we were so connected, before I think the smartphones, and uh, I remember you telling me, giving me some advice about uh, limiting your exposure to the screen by checking email like it was old-fashioned, mail delivered, once in the morning, once in the evening. Do you still hold by that? Is that something you still do? Well, I've actually taken it more to the extreme. Now I, I would check emails just in the evenings uh, because... Um, you know, I, I want to start the day with something which is fulfilling. Now, if professionally a person needs to check email, you know, three times a day, then that's fine. The key, though, is to limit the times as opposed to allowing it to infiltrate um, our entire day, which is what it does, especially now with people going around with smartphones and they yes. have access to email all the time. That, that's very unhealthy. You know, we're becoming a, um, an ADHD uh, culture. And um, instead of uh, experiencing more engagement during the day, which is one of the paths to happiness, we constantly are disengaged, disengaged from ourselves. Yes. We, we, we delude ourselves thinking, oh, we're, we, you know, we're constantly engaged, we're always connected. That, that's not real human connection. That's not real human engagement. Have you seen different approaches that different generations take to take to being happy? So there are differences in terms of generations and there are differences in terms of uh, cultures. So the differences in, in generation, you know, in the past people uh, understood implicitly or explicitly that the, the path to happiness is primarily through relationships. You know, that's the number one predictor of happiness. Uh, quality time we spend with people we care about and who care about us. You know, I remember growing up, my, my fondest childhood memories were... When, when people visited our, our homes, you know, and I, w I would sit with the, with the adults and, and listen to them, not fully understanding, but, but hearing them talk and laugh and, and you know, and, and break bread together. Um, today, we, we have far fewer of these, these experiences, because even if you look at people hanging out together, they're usually on their smartphones, so very often they can talk to one another but be looking at their, at their screen or uh, sometimes even communicating to one another through their, uh, uh, through their smartphones. You see it with kids. Um, there isn't that quality time, quality intimate time that, that we had, uh, again, not so long ago, and, and that's unfortunate. You know, at home what we do is, um, first of all, we limit uh, uh, technology time uh, that the kids have, of course, uh, but beyond that, also there are times when there are no phones and you know we don't answer the phone during meals and the you know the the technology is off and th these are precious times you know, and even if the kids complain and they say but you know in our friend's house they have their tv on uh, or or you know they they can play 
uh, while, 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 while being with their, their family, you know, it doesn't matter. And, you know, we're hoping that our kids will appreciate that um, later on in life. But we certainly, as, as parents, see it as, as critical for a, a healthier, happier life. Well, I, I actually can share, and I'm not, I'm not preaching here, but a few weeks ago we had all our children for, for Shabbat, our married children, grandchildren, and, and I wrote to them after Shabbat thanking them for all coming, and I said it really... I said the Shabbat really is a gift from from the heavens, Matanamina Shemaim, because to have 25 hours with no devices, no no TV, nothing, just to sit and talk and and chill, uh, it really was. I felt it was a real gift. Yes, I know I couldn't agree more. And again, there's more and more data today, more and more research today showing just how important a Shabbat is. And um, this idea has to be extended. In, in our world. So we need you know, the Shabbat, but we also need mini Shabbatons, you mm-hmm. know, so mini time offs uh, where, we, uh, where we shut off uh, uh, technology, we shut off distractions and, and just focus on that one thing, whether it's reading that book or whether it's being with one person or, or our, our families, um, where, where we can be really engaged and connected. All right, so my listeners... Uh if they're not depressed of how they're living <laughs> after hearing this, uh, what are some tips you can share with them, things that will make them happier? Yes, yeah, so, so, so first of all, you know, the, the, the wonderful thing about uh, positive psychology, the science of happiness, is that it has prescriptions. So, uh, you know, it's okay to, to feel unhappy about the way things are going, but, but we should be optimistic because it's possible to change those things. Um, the, the first thing though that I would I would recommend as as a tip towards becoming happier is to accept the fact that unhappiness is also part of life. Mm-hmm. You know that pleasurable and painful emotions are part and parcel of a full and fulfilling fulfilling life. It's 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 not like we can avoid um going through difficulties and hardships. And so the first thing is what I've come to call the permission to be human, giving ourselves the permission to fully experience mm-hmm. our emotions. Um, second, you know, as I alluded to earlier, being physically active, so, so very important to, you know, at least, uh, you know, a rule of thumb would be, you know, if we're sitting, sitting down and working every half hour or so to get up and take you know, 15 steps. Um, mm-hmm. This is, of course, in addition to, to exercising at least, at least um, 30 minutes three times a week, and that could be walking or jogging or dancing or, or playing ball or swimming, whatever, mm-hmm. but at least three times a week, uh, physical exercise. You know, there's research showing that it has the same effect on our psychological well-being as our most powerful psychiatric medication. Uh, so physical exercise. Uh, in addition, also I mentioned it earlier, number one predictor of happiness is quality time we spend with people we care about and who care about us. And it's quality time, meaning it's time when we're focused and dedicated uh, to um, to the experience. Um, you know, that, that focus and dedication also applies to our ability to enjoy uh, music. Now, so today there's a lot of music in our world. We have access to you know, the greatest performances. But when was the last time that, um, that you or anyone else actually sat down and, and listened to you know, 10 minutes or, or 30 minutes uh, you know, of songs or, or, or a concert? Um, and, and, and we can derive a great deal of of joy and, and happiness from from music. Um, and another very important component of, um, of of happiness is finding meaningful things to do, or meaning in the things that we're already doing. 
you know, this doesn't have to be some grandiose sense of purpose, but, but finding meaning in, in little things, appreciating. You know, for example, you know, I go through um, a bedtime routine with, with, with my kids. There are different ways of looking at it. You know, one way to look at it is, well, it's a chore. It's something I have to do. You know, I brought them to the world. I'm responsible for them. You know, let, let, let's just get it over and done with. Um, the other approach to the same experience can be, you know, here I have, you know, two hours ahead of me of spending time with the most uh, precious people in my life. What a privilege it is. And interestingly, it's just this change of perception that can make a very big difference in our experience. You know, for example, there's research showing, um, related research showing that people with test anxiety can change their experience of the test just by looking at the test as a challenge rather than as threatening. So one word, wow, this is really challenging, can, can actually change their physiology. Hmm. Wow. Now, if one word can change our physiology, why not use that when we uh, encounter other experiences, such as uh, a, a bedtime routine with the kids, or such as going in and, 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 and working on some Excel sheet, or, or, or whatever it is that, right. that we uh-huh. do, changing our perception. I'll tell you one little anecdote about your music, and I, I'm a lover of music, and uh, it's constantly on, sometimes to my wife, who would like quiet. Um, but many years ago, when I was a kid, we one of the things we did for entertainment was read comic books. And mm. uh, one of my favorite, every month we would wait for the new Superman comic to come out, and every issue was one of his enemies, you know, arch enemies, trying to cause havoc in the world. And one of the issues was th- that someone figured out how to eliminate music from the world. And, mm. and you couldn't even whistle. Nothing would come out. And, and people started going crazy. And uh, the, the world was going to fall apart if he didn't figure a way to restore music. So uh, it's, it's something we definitely need. And it was acknowledged in the Superman uh, many, many, many years ago. <laughs> Uh, let's move a little on to your projects, things you're working on today. Can you tell my listeners about your project called Happier TV? Sure. So um, I created a, a website, which is um, uh, called happier.tv or happiertv.com, which uh, has uh, lectures and interviews and, and tips and, and answers to questions uh, all around the topic of happiness, all around making the ideas from the science of happiness more accessible. And uh, it's something that uh, we, you know, I recently started, and, um, and um, very soon we'll have some you know, fascinating interviews with some of the uh, leading uh, thinkers and practitioners in the world on, on the topic. And, and there are tips for, for parents and for, for business people, um, uh, tips on, on on nutrition and its relationship to happiness and physical exercise. So a little bit of everything. All right, so that's happiertv.com or happier.tv, correct? Correct. Okay. You're also involved in the business world through your venture called Potential Life. Can you tell me what the company does? Yeah, sure. So um, actually, but you know, I, I, I do a lot of work with organizations because what we're realizing more and more uh, today in the 21st century, which, by the way, wasn't wasn't uh, true at the beginning of the 20th century, um, is that flourishing or happiness and, and success of uh, uh, leaders are two sides of the same coin. So what, what we're doing now is we're entering organizations and uh, helping the, the employees, because today you need leaders at every level of the organization. You know, it's, no, it's, it's no longer the 20th century where it was enough that one person knew it all and, and could tell everyone else uh, what they needed to do or what they needed to, to know. So 
Uh, we need leaders at every level of the organization. And, and what we're doing through a, a blended program, which includes uh, online uh, sessions as well as, as face-to-face interactions, we, we cultivate uh, leadership skills and flourishing skills uh, at scale in organizations. Uh, so we, 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 we are already in uh, 14 uh, countries. We're, uh, um, we're working daily with thousands and thousands of uh, leaders and future leaders in for-profit and not-for-profit organizations. Oh, sounds very exciting. If, if someone wants to read a little more about that, how will they find that on the net? Oh, um, so it's Potential Life with one L, potentiallife.com, or go to my website, which is talbenshaharg.com. All right, so our, our time is coming to a close, and I just my last question is happiness. We associate with having fun. So what does Tal Ben Shahar do for fun? Well, first and foremost, time with my family. You know, I, 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 there's nothing that, that compares to, as I said, quality time with people you, you care about and who care about you. And, of course, there, there, there are challenges with, you know, with raising children. There are challenges in, in long-term relationships. Uh, and yet the, uh, the payoff is, is greater than, than anything else that I can imagine mm-hmm. in my life. All right, that's, that's good advice. Well, Tal, thank you very, very much for this. And uh, I think people, you've given my listeners and myself a, a lot of food for thought. And, um, you know, you're not prescribing difficult things. Uh, it just means making a few changes. Uh, and, and the results are, as you saying, well proven. Well, thank you, Philip. And I'll, I'll, I'd just like to end with, uh, you know, one of the ways to happiness is expressing gratitude. It's a wonderful thing that the first word a Jew says in the morning is modé. That's true. You know, expressing, expressing gratitude. So, um, so thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to speak to you and to your listeners. My pleasure. Hope to speak to you soon. Thank you very much, Tal. I hope you enjoyed our podcast. Feel free to visit us at www.pstein.com or look for Philip Stein & Associates on Facebook and LinkedIn.